Lord Jesus, we pray that as we gather here in these last few moments of this worship service that our hearts will truly be full of rejoicing, that we'll be filled with your spirit, and that you will speak to us, Lord, through your scripture. In your name we pray, amen. Viviana, I gotta say, you did a great job of reading that scripture, and if someone's wondering how on earth Mark chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 Man, this must be a great preacher if he can tie this into the Lord's Prayer. I'm not that great. I sent her the wrong text. It's actually supposed to be Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. And you did a great job with Mark chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. We have some great preachers out there who I'm sure could, could weave it all together. I am only an adequate preacher, though, so I have to apologize. I cannot figure out a way to save this day. Um, it's right. We, have, we all have days where we struggle, you know. Mark was having a hard time up there with those kids. Man, they just weren't helping you out at all, Mark, up there on that one. Mark, this is how I feel some Sabbaths. You know, I, I make a brilliant point. I think it's great, and I look out, and there's, there's a blank stare. So, you know, we all have those moments. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13 is actually where we're going to be. We're going to be beginning a, ser- we're beginning a series on the Lord's Prayer. And so I pray that the Lord will bless us as we are in that series. To begin today, I want to talk to you about the avenue by which I used to try to connect with Christina before we were dating. You know, you, you want to find some way to have those opening conversations. I want to build a connection with her. And so the thing that I would do would be to look for our similarities. The very first similarity that Christina and I had was that we were introduced to each other by our exes. It's not, it's not the best jumping off point, but it's still a commonality. We both lived in California the majority of our lives. We were, we are 49er fans. She's a, she's a Giants fan. I didn't find that out until after we started dating her. That might have squashed everything. She enjoyed playing sports. I enjoyed playing sports. We were both involved in the youth prayer conference movement in the mid to late 90s. Some of you may remember some of those that were taking place. I was the Bible boy at both her principal and her PE coach's wedding, weddings. So I would talk to her about that, which she didn't seem too impressed with. Uh, these were the commonalities that gave us an initial connecting point, places where we could feel Connected. We want to feel connected with those we are in relationship with. We want to find some commonalities. Within Christendom, the history of Christianity, there has been an embracing of things that are liturgical aspects of worship in order to build commonality, in order to uh, build uh, relationship, build familiarity. Liturgy is a form of to which public religious worship is conducted. Oftentimes, groups have embraced liturgical prayers. If you are a part of or are familiar with the Catholic worship, you understand the idea of liturgical prayers, the Magnificat, the sign of the cross, Hail Mary. All these are liturgical prayers. Liturgical prayers are oftentimes designed to bring people together as one common body, to connect people with one another. And while we as Protestants, for the most part, do not engage in 
in regular liturgical prayers, in Catholicism and Protestantism, Protestantism, we share a common liturgical prayer. It's called Our Father in the Catholic community, and within our community, it's called and referred to as the Lord's Prayer. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, we read this. Now it came to pass as he was praying, this is speaking of Jesus, in a certain place when he had ceased that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. As John also taught his disciples. To request something from a religious leader was a very common thing. These, these, were, these were men who were being trained by a rabbi, and, and, and so they're requesting of Jesus to learn from him, to, to be taught by him, and they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. But this is the only place in, in the gospel where such a direct request appears. And I find it interesting that, that the direct request is in regards to the subjects, subject of prayer. If you could ask God one thing about your life, one thing about, about how to follow him, and one thing about how to grow and learn from him, what would it be? Would it be on the subject of prayer? If you could ask God one thing, would you ask him to teach you how to have a better prayer life, or would it be something else? The text continues, so he said to them, when you pray, say. When a pastor or someone up front in their prayer says, our Father which art in heaven, if you're in a Christian community, you don't even have to say anything else. If Mark had been up here during his children's story or he had that little girl and he had said, okay, let us now pray together and she had started our Father which art in heaven, 90% of you would have immediately followed with what? Hallowed be thy name, right? We just know it. We just know it. It's, it's ingrained in us. It said, he said, when you pray, say this. And when a pastor says, our Father which art in heaven, and we automatically, the whole congregation joins in. This is, this is a, a, a healthy component of the church body. It, it connects us together. It, it ties us together. The Lord's Prayer is a prayer that unites us. I have sat in churches and heard it in Spanish. Padre nuestro que estás en los cielos. Did I say that okay? Pretty good? For a gringo? <laughs> Could use a little work. Thanks a lot. In Swahili, Baba Yetu Ulili in Benguni. Any Swahili people? People speak Swahili here? Did I do it okay? Okay? Is that okay? She says yes. Okay. It's a hesitant yes. Hebrew, Avenu. Shabbat Shemayim, and I'm sure my wife, who's been all over this world, has heard it in French and Chinese and Thai and many more, and you probably all have it in your language, and we all know it. We all know it. When we hear those words, we know to join in. Jesus encourages this repetition of the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, say this, he says. There is something about having this prayer that unites us, that connects us. It is a commonality, a place all believers in Christ can begin. Christine and I had things in common, but if we never went deeper than that general surface level of things, then, then we would never have gotten the, the best out of that relationship that God had for us. In like manner, the Lord's Prayer calls us to, yes, recite the prayer, but I believe if we just stop at reciting the prayer, 
we never gain the true depth that God has for us in this prayer. And so we want to go deeper in this series and look more deeply at the Lord's Prayer. In the book of Matthew, chapter 6, is where we will begin today, beginning in verse 7. Jesus speaking to his disciples. And when you pray, he says, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. If the Lord's Prayer is just a form of vain repetition to us, then it ultimately has no value in our lives. If the Lord's Prayer is one of those things that you can recite without thinking about it or without thinking about the meaning of it, then it loses value in our lives. Jesus actually warns the disciples before he teaches on this prayer, he warns the disciples, do not pray in vain repetition. Interesting that a prayer that we often speak in sometimes vain repetition, Jesus first tells us, be careful not to ever do that. Jesus wants this prayer to mean more than, than, to mean more than just a, a, a commonality amongst the believers, but he wants it to have a deeper meaning than that. In verse 9, he says, in this manner, therefore pray. What Jesus is saying in that statement is this. Don't just repeat it, but in this manner, in this way, in this avenue, pray. In other words, in, in all aspects of, aspects of our prayer, in all areas of our prayer life, this prayer can impact us. This prayer can have an impact on, on us. This is the kind of way you should approach God in prayer, Jesus is saying. And in this prayer, as we study it over the next several weeks, we will see that this prayer truly encompasses all the principles of prayer that should be a part of prayer. It encompasses the way of prayer, the, the manner our prayer should take. Martin Lloyd-Jones, an influential Welsh preacher in the 20th century, said, the Lord's Prayer covers everything, and all we do is take these principles and employ and expand and base our every petition upon them. Employ, expand, and base our every petition upon them. And so we want to look and learn how we can employ, expand, and base our every prayer upon the Lord's Prayer. This prayer that Martin Luther and Augustine of Hippo felt was the most wonderful piece in all of Scripture. They felt this was the most wonderful piece in all of Scripture. Augustine, who was a, uh, after Paul, was, was, a, was a great man uh, of, of righteousness by faith, taught, started to bring back the idea of righteousness by faith. And then Martin Luther, who was, of course, the, the one who, who brought about the, the, great, the Reformation, and open a whole world's eyes to, to righteousness by faith in Christ alone. I remember hearing HMS Richards, uh, a tape. I have these cassette tapes. Anybody else have cassette tapes still? Yeah, cassette tapes rule. I love cassette tapes. Um, I don't want to ever get rid of my Honda Accord because they don't make cars with cassette tape players anymore. So I just want to keep that thing rolling. I have these old HMS Richards tapes that I listened to, and I remember him talking about that his heroes are uh, Paul because Paul helps us to understand righteousness by faith. And then he said Augustine of Hippo because he again brings to light righteousness by faith. And then he said Martin Luther who brings, uh, who, who really brought to the forefront righteousness by faith. And then he says the next people 
in that line of righteousness by faith actually says John Wesley, and then he says after John Wesley, he says the Seventh-day Adventist. And so if this was the prayer of those great men of righteousness by faith that they thought was the most beautiful piece in all of Scripture, then may we learn from it as well. The first phrase in this prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The prayer begins very intimately and yet respectfully. There's an intimacy there and yet there's a respect there. The Greek here would indicate a familiar and an intimate relationship. The opening of the Lord's Prayer is more than just a title, Our Father. It is a prayer of acknowledgement of the relationship that the one who is praying has with God. When you pray, pray as one who pray to one you are intimate with, our Father, which art in heaven. I might have mentioned in the past a family by the name of the Reeves. I don't know if I've mentioned that here or not. But that was a family that basically adopted me in college into their family and subsequently adopted Christina when she was in graduate school there in Chattanooga into their family after we got married. When I first met them and I started hanging out with them and spending time with them at their house, I would refer to them as Mr. Curtis and Miss Kathy, the respectful southern way to greet people. Uh, if you ever hear Christine and I encouraging our kids to say Mr. Chris or, or, or Mr. Lloyd or, or, or Miss Roz or whatever it may be, we're just, that's our, 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 southern, our southern connection there. It is because we lived in the south for about 10 years and this was the proper way to, to greet people. You'll hear Kara say this all the time. She's a good Tennessee girl. But then as I was with them day in and, and day out, and as they spoke more and more into my life, and as they, they loved me more and more, and as Mom Reeves bought me uh, Peter Pan peanut butter uh, just for me, you know, they all ate Jif, and she knew I liked Peter Pan, and she started buying Peter Pan peanut butter. I mean, if that doesn't convey love, I don't know what does. But as they were more engaged in my life, how I addressed them changed. They didn't change because they asked it to change. They didn't say, okay, now we want you to start addressing us in this way or in this manner. It changed because there was an intimacy within our relationship. There was a depth within our relationship. The way I addressed them changed based on the relationship that we have. Mr. Curtis went from Mr. Curtis to Pops and, and, and Miss Kathy became Mom or Mom Reeves. The first principle of prayer that Jesus teaches us is that prayer is best undertaken when intimacy exists between God and ourselves. Between God and ourselves. When there's a recognition of the intimacy that exists between us and God. How often do we approach prayer almost as if God was some distant individual? Even if we use the term Father, but really he's a distant individual to us. We might as well be just saying Mr. God. Or, hey, you, do we pause when we begin our prayer to think about the intimacy that exists between us and our God? Father. It's a relationship aspect. Many people do not have this intimate relationship with God. They begin at a distant level. God still hears those prayers. God still 
answers those prayers. But if we are down the road in our Christian journey, we shouldn't still be praying to God as, he, as if he is some distant and foreign and abstract being. No, God wants us to pray with confidence that he is our God, that he is our Father, that, that, that we are in an intimate relationship with him. He wants us to pray with confidence that, that, that when we say our Father, we're addressing him knowing that, that he loves us, that he cares for us, that he wants to answer and hear our prayers. Before we move forward, I want us to think about the way we approach God. Do we approach him with a recognition of the intimacy? with a recognition of the intimacy. To address God in intimate language is also an aspect of respect, is also an aspect of, of respect. I'm gonna admit something here that I can admit because Christina's not here to shake her head at me, although I will tell her that I said that when I got home, don't worry. When I was a kid, and I really wanted to bother my mom. Oh man, I don't even know if I want to admit this now that I have started this, but I'm going to. Remember, I was a teenager apart from Jesus. I would say, woman, I'm glad you're shaking your head at that. I knew it would make her mad. I knew it would frustrate her. Any teenagers in here ever want to just make their parents mad? Any of you ever teenagers that want to make your parents mad? All of you liars? And I would, I would say it, and she would say, do not refer to me that, that way. I'm your mom, right? The mo to call her mom is a, is a, is a word of intimacy, but it also is a title of respect. She is my mom, she is my, my mother. So when we refer to God as Father, we're not just speaking of, in an intimate way, but it's also respecting that relationship, respecting that, that closeness, respecting that connection. How do we address God? Do we recognize that intimacy? Do we show him that respect? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The word hallowed is an old English word that simply means holy. Holy be your name. Holy be your name. The intimacy of the opening of the prayer does not remove or should not cause us to forget who we are actually addressing. We are addressing the God of the universe. We are addressing our, our, our King. You see, it is good for us to have an intimate relationship with God, but that relationship should also be one of deep respect and adoration. Deep respect and adoration. When we approach God, we are to recognize his holiness. We are to recognize he has sent redemption to his people, that he has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is, is his name. Psalm 111, verse 9. Verse 9. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 16. We should recognize that he sent redemption and that he also is the, is the judge. 
But when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will hallow my name and hallow the Holy One of Jacob and fear the God of Israel, Isaiah 29 and 23. But sanctify the Lord. In other words, make holy God in your heart. Sanctify to make holy. It is far too common in our society for folk to embrace the niceties of God, the intimate nature of God, yet not wanting to respect and embrace God's unique position as the holy being of the universe. We like the intimacy. We like Abba, Father. We want God to love and care for us and about us, and we need that. And we need to know that that is real. But we should not embrace one and reject the other. And the other aspect of God is, yes, he is a loving and caring and compassionate God, but he is also holy. He is holy. When we come to God, so often we come with with us on our minds and on our lips. But the Lord's Prayer begins with, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The opening of the prayer focuses prayer on where the focus should be, which is God, which is the divine. Many of our prayers, the majority of our prayers, I would say often, too often center and focus on us. We may say, dear Heavenly Father, or dear Jesus, or we may say, our Father in heaven. But too often, this is just a prescript for what we really want to get to, which is a prayer all about me, myself, and I. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy be thy name. This is a petition asking God to glorify himself in this world, in our lives. This is a petition, this is a, this is a prayer recognizing that God is in charge, that God is holy and God is just. Jesus is saying when we pray, we should come to God as a father that loves and cares for us. And our first petition to our father should be that he be glorified. Our father which art in heaven, holy be your name. You be glorified, God. You be glorified in my life. You be glorified in this world. You be glorified in my prayer in the midst of what I am doing now. Prayer should not start with us. It should not be centered with us. Our Father which art in heaven, now let me tell you all about me. It should be centered on God. Haven't we all been in situations where we realize that the wrong person is soaking up the majority of the attention? When I was in high school, there was an eighth grader. I was a senior in high school. There was an eighth grader by the name of Ricky Schwartz. Some of you may have heard of Ricky Schwartz. Ricky Schwartz, uh, if any of you were involved in acrobatics back in the day or maybe still to this day, his dad is the gymnastics coach now at Southern Adventist University. But Ricky, who is also one of my associates back in, in California and now is pastoring in the Maritimes Conference up in Canada, keep him in your prayers. He's his first head pastor job and he has three churches. Three churches with a total attendance of about 45 people and a total driving time of a few hours and 45 minutes. So keep him in your prayer. 
prayers up there in Canada in the Maritimes Conference. But he's excited and jazzed about it. But Ricky was, uh, Ricky was and he is still a tremendous gym, gymnast. He actually worked for Cirque du Soleil for a number of years. He was, praise God for what he did in his life. He was making six figures and left it all to go into uh, just Bible working at first and then into pastoral ministry. But Ricky was a tremendous gymnast. He represented the United States. He was the national acrobatic champion. Uh, he was the representative for the United States at the World Acrobatic Champions. He got 24th out of 25th place, although he was the only teenager actually in the lot. But that's how good he was. I said, at least you didn't finish last. And he said, yeah, the only reason I didn't finish last is because the, the guy that I beat did a tumble. He fell, knocked himself out, and couldn't do his last uh, trip down the runway, so he's disqualified. I said, well, it's not last, brother. Way to go. But he was a tremendous, tremendous uh, acrobat if you saw him and you can go actually and watch videos on online of him and in our gymnastics programs our acrobatic programs one of the routines that we would do would be that, that we would do a tumbling routine down this mat and do all these different things and at the end of that routine the same thing happened every time Ricky would would come and do this amazing tumbling pass he'd do some amazing trick and everybody would go crazy and everyone would be cheering and the music would all would be all loud and and everyone would get really excited, and coach would say, oh, that was great, and he'd act like we were going to end the, end the program right there, like we were going to be done, and then Ricky would say, okay, I want to do one more, and coach would say, oh, you're going to do one more. It's all, you know, a very scripted thing. Oh, he's going to do one more, folks, and okay, let's cheer for Ricky as he does one more, and, and Ricky would go back to the end of the thing, and and the music would get really loud and be going and people would be cheering really loud and everybody would be getting really excited because Ricky was about to do some triple back with some twist or some funkiness, whatever it was that he was going to do. Some amazing thing. And I watched this over and over and over and over again, you know, and everybody would be all excited with Ricky. And so one year, as he was walking back and coach says, okay, Ricky's going to do one more. Let's all cheer. Let's all, let's all, and the crowd's getting louder and louder and louder and the music's going. I decided you know what, I'm going to do something. And I take off running down this mat at full speed, as fast as I can go. And I come to the very end of the mat, and I did a forward somersault, a forward roll. And I stood up, and I went like this, just like Ricky used to do. And everyone kind of stared at me. And coach goes, okay, that was Chad Stewart. <laughs> In that moment, the attention was not where it was supposed to be. It was a giant letdown for people that were expecting to see Ricky tumble in that moment. It was clear that I was not to be the center of attention, but I was, really, that's what I was doing. I was trying to get the attention. Folks, sometimes in prayer, that's how we are. There's this God of the universe that we were talking to. He's holy. He's mighty. He's powerful. He deserves our adoration and our praise. He, he deserves us taking a moment in our prayer and just pausing and thinking about who he is and all he's done for us. And while there's this buildup at the beginning of the prayer, we quickly rush through it and do a forward somersault into the things in our life. Now, folks, there's an aspect for petition and and there's an aspect for, 
for putting our request before God. But too often we fail at the beginning of our prayers to focus on who should deserve, who deserves the glory and the praise. Have you ever been praying and suddenly realized, you know, I've been praying all this time and I've never paused to actually think about God. I've just kind of been telling him what I want and what I think and what I need. In those cases, the wrong person is getting the majority of the, t- the attention. Jesus modeled this for us. Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. Even Jesus' request for himself was that he would be glorified, but not for his own purpose, but so that he could give glory to the Father. John 17 and verse 4, I have glorified you on the earth. He, he, he says to God, this was my mission. I've brought glory to you on this earth. John chapter 8 and verse 50, Jesus said, I do not seek my own glory. Jesus is our Savior. He died on a cross for us. He's perfect in every single way. And yet Jesus himself, Jesus himself still said, the glory shouldn't be on me, but the glory should be on the Father. The glory should be on the Father. Jesus was constantly striving to glorify his Father in heaven. It was his mission on this earth to show people God through him. It is what we see he prayed for. The psalmist wrote, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. Psalm 148, verses 12 and 13. That should be the beginning of our prayers. Lord, may you be exalted in all mankind. May you be exalted in my life. May your glory shine. Jesus said to his followers, pray in this manner. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We approach him with intimacy, but we recognize that we are in the presence of a holy and a mighty God. This week as you pray, I want to challenge you to two things. Maybe you're sitting here and you, you have not, you're not a believer and you have never prayed. Well, then you can get started correctly from the very beginning. Maybe you haven't prayed in a long time and, and you don't even really know how to pray. There's people all the time that tell us, I don't really know how to pray. Well, then you can get started correctly from the very beginning. First, pray to God as one you are intimate with, one you are in relationship with. And you may say, well, I don't have a relationship with God. Here's the great thing about God that I have discovered and the great thing that I discovered about my Savior. When the day that I made a decision to follow Jesus, April 26, 1996, the moment, the moment that I stood up and said, yes, I want you to be Lord of my life, in that moment, I'll tell you what, I never felt closer to another person in all my life. That's the great thing about God. You know, with Christina, we had to work to build up a, a relationship and, and to grow closer and deeper with one another. And we do, work, we do grow deeper and deeper with our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and with our God and with the Holy Spirit. But, but the great thing about him is that the moment we say, come into my heart, you will sense a presence. You will have a relationship and a connection that you've never had before. Pray in this way. First, pray to God. I want to challenge us to pray to God as one we are intimate with. 
Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. There's this relationship there. There's a relationship there. Secondly, secondly, if we do not do this already, I want to encourage each and every one of us that this week when we start our prayers, that at the beginning of our prayer, rather than just rushing through it, that we will pause for a moment at the beginning and ponder the reality that we are talking to a holy and a powerful and a mighty God. That we will pause for a minute at the beginning of our prayer and before we rush into who we are and what we think and what we want, that we'll pause for a minute to think about the fact that the king of the universe, that this holy and mighty God wants to spend that time with you and I and will ponder the significance of who he is. And that we'll start with asking God to be the unique holy being that he is and that all the glory and all the focus and all the attention of your life and your prayers will be given, will give glory to him. And you pull out your connection cards at this time. When you came in, you should have got a connection card. I know I did. Chris, can I steal your connection card? Thank you. There on the back, it says, the sermon was clear today. Today was clear then I want to ask, invite you, if you have not done so, probably many of you have, so this one is easy, I'll memorize Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Probably many of you have already done that. You know the Lord's Prayer. You may not even realize that that was a scripture you'd memorize, but you've already memorized the scripture. And then the third one, I will focus on beginning my prayers by recognizing the holiness of God. Folks, I believe our prayer lives can be transformed if we begin our prayers by focusing on the holiness of God. And so I want to encourage us this week to take those steps in doing that. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for being a mighty and a powerful God, for being a holy and a magnificent God. We thank you for the fact that, that though you are so holy, you are still also our Father. That we can know you intimately through your Son, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that, that you will teach us, each one of us, to pray also. That you will teach us and remind us that when we pray, that we are praying to a holy and a magnificent God. Lord, may our prayers begin focusing on you. And may we pause there for a while so that the prayers are not on us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.